Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hi there, everybody. Today I have with me Debbie, Debbie Boone. She is a self-professed customer service geek and champion for animal health. She began her training in business management and the care of customers while growing up in her family's six restaurants. She laughingly jokes that her parents were firm believers in child labor. A love of animals led her to a degree in animal science from North Carolina State University. She began her career in veterinary medicine in 1985. Her business, retail, and hospitality background quickly moved her into the position of hospital administration. Her success in management led to an opportunity to work with a large pharmaceutical company as a key opinion leader, which began her consulting and speaking career. And that's what we're here for today. Debbie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about this kind of crooked career path. And and we can tell that this was not necessarily in your sights. First, you're in restaurant. Uh, the restaurant business, if you will, and then you're in veterinary medicine, and then you're in the hospitality industry. Does it surprise you that you would end up speaking for a living in part? <laughs> it, uh, I, you're right. It was not something that I had thought about, at least not much. You know, most people have such a fear of public speaking that they would rather do anything than stand in front of a crowd. But um, like you, I'm, I'm an extrovert, so I like people, and I think just having a comfort with people was one of the advantages that I had. Um, you know, and, and when you're the manager of, of any business, typically you're going to stand up in front of your team and you're going to give some mini lectures, I guess, and trying to keep their attention and keep them motivated is uh, a challenge. And then when I started doing the work for Novartis Animal Health, I really didn't think of myself as a speaker. I just was uh, somebody who was there kind of coaching other hospitals into how to do what I had learned how to do and get good compliance with animal health for people. But then I guess the biggest thing that happened to me was during that period of time, Novartis asked me to come and give um, a one-hour lecture. And this honestly, this is the best speaking gig I ever got because they flew me to Puerto Rico. They took me there for like four days. And my husband, we were on the beach. We were, you know, just hanging out with all these people. We did a little, I did a little work. He was just hanging out. And then I got up and I did one-hour talk. And that first talk was in front of 465 veterinarians. And I really thought I was going to pass out because I, <laughs> they gave me a little bit of media training. Uh, we had somebody come in who was from the local news station with the big camera and put us on camera to see how many times we went, uh, like, and you know, and then <laughs> figure out if we were going to be, you know, there were three of us, figure out if we were going to be capable of getting up in front of a crowd. And, and fortunately, I came out on top in that little deal, and I, I went and I spoke. And then three weeks later, I did it again. So, again, it was, it, again, we both of us went back. Three weeks later, we went back to Puerto Rico, and I spoke to a, another 465 veterinarians at that time. And that sort of was the beginning of it, and that was about in 2005, 
And then after that, it was just little random bits and pieces of opportunities to do uh, meetings for sales reps and to do little um, lunch and learns. Um, and then we had a local managers group, and I would every now and then get up and we would give a little give a little presentation in front of the local managers group. But I really still never thought about doing it all the time as much as I ended up doing. Um, but again, it goes back to that network, and sometimes things fall in your lap, and that's certainly what happened to me, is an opportunity fell in my lap to train a class with one of the people that I had had the social, I mean, the, uh, the media training with. And I started to teach a class for a distribution company. And I started to do it all over the United States, and it was a two-day class, and I just, I guess I think you learn your chops, right? You practice makes perfect, and so getting up in front of that group made it easier for me to get up in front of any group, um, because I knew the subject matter so well, and it was, uh, had a great deal of confidence in it. I learned how to read the crowd, I learned how to be comfortable up there, and um, uh, and I think one of the most challenging things, and you know this as well as I do, is if you have somebody who's trying to hijack your program and, and be the speaker from your crowd, uh, there is there's a skill and technique into circumventing that and getting away from that person, right? Talk to us about that, and, and then I'm going to come back. But since you landed on yes. that, talk to us. Yes. Well, you know, most of the time when you're speaking to a group, especially for me, people in my profession, and most of them are there to learn, but some of them are really enthusiastic, and I appreciate that, because I was always one of those front row girls, right? I'm mostly on the front row and, and get here. involved. Yeah, you do. Yep. <laughs> so um, those, those are the kind of people who you like, because as a speaker, you feed off of energy and they're giving you a lot of good vibes and feedbacks and the nods and the heads and like, you know, the amens, right? <laughs> but then sometimes they're, they want to take over. They want to hijack and they want to tell their story. And I appreciate that because it does involve a lot of people in the room, but then when it's just this, you know, every single time. So I think you learn how to not look at them for one thing because all it takes is an eye glance their way and they're like, you know, all over the place. And, and and watching the rest of the crowd to find that person out there who wants to say something, but this one's going to overshadow them. So we intentionally go in and go to that person and say, "You, I, I see that you want to say something. Let, let me hear what you have to say. And so instead of, you know, the, the one who's over-talking you, you're going to go to some other people. And then every now and then I have had to say, you know what, I, I really love hearing those ideas. Let's talk on break because that puts them off to the side, lets them know that they, you know, they can't hijack their sub your subject or the whole class because you're going to be there till midnight if you keep letting them talk, and um, and you can move on that way. And you know, Debbie, I like using that technique as well as this one, where if I pose an open-ended question to the audience, because I'm either trying to take the temperature, check for understanding, or just turn my microphone off so I'm not the only voice that's going, I would say something along the lines of, this time I want to hear from someone from whom I've not heard yet today. Uh Right. I want to hear another voice. And this gives people that opportunity because there will be times when you have people in your audience where they just they're just not even going to bother to volunteer an answer because they know, you know, loudmouth Lucy is going to right. it's gonna take over. It, yeah, so, that's right. 
I love saying, yeah, let me hear from somebody that I've not, I've not heard your voice today. And especially if I've got a really large crowd, right? If I've got a hundred people or better, then I know that's safe. If there's only like 10 people, it's kind of like, right yeah yeah and those classes usually there was about 20 to 30 people in those classes and when I typically started out one of the things that you know we were going to talk about is um you know how do you kind of break the ice in in a crowd and for these smaller classes I have people introduce themselves and 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 if one of the questions I like to ask is tell me what possessed you to walk into a veterinary hospital and say hey can I have a job um and and some of the stories have been really entertaining and they connect the people because they may have a similar story or they go, Oh wow, that's an amazing story. But it's that storytelling, getting them involved and letting them tell a little bit of their story. And it also, as a speaker, I'm going to relate back to that too. If I have content that's going to connect with their story, I'm going to go and say, now remember when so-and-so told her story about how she got her job, then such and such is, you know, I'm connecting that with whatever I'm talking about or the slide. And so it it continuously connects you back and forth to your audience rather than you just sitting up there doing a data dump of information out there. And I, I really appreciate you saying that, how you, you want to take a different approach, avoid the information dump, the because audiences just don't, receive that they don't they're not receptive uh, of of the information dumps or the data dumps tell me what role does your expertise or has your expertise played in you ending up in this career of professional speaking well I, I think we all have something that we're really passionate about and in veterinary medicine which is what I love there are a multitude of things that you could talk about. But one of the things that I think has always been very important to me, and it's something that I learned from my parents growing up in the restaurant business, is, is taking care of your staff. And if you take care of your staff, they take care of your business. And how can we make that a, a good place to work? So I feel like communication is such an important tool, and because in my profession, people go into it because they love animals, but they don't really like people. And so they, they're not those extroverts like, like you and I are, Bridget. They uh, need some coaching on to how to communicate well with humans. I laugh at Lacey. That's my tagline. I teach animal people how to successfully communicate with humans. And when I do that, it enables them to have better lives because they don't get fussed at. They they are able to explain services better to clients. They get more acceptance. Uh, animals certainly get better care that way. And the team members are just more, um, I mean, it's, it's a, just better to walk in the door that way. It just makes you happy to walk in when you have a good atmosphere. Okay. Yeah, definitely understanding uh, where it's a customer service or a customer first a- approach that works best. And then when you're dealing with audiences, it's going to be an audience first approach or an audience centric approach where you want to make sure that you're taking care of your audience. I- I'm going to take a line from you. If you take care of your audience, your audience will take care of you. Yes. And I agree take- with you. Yes. Yes. Kind of like what you were saying. If you take care of your staff, your staff is going to take care of you and your, business, right? your business. Well, I- you know, I remember sitting, 
way too many boring lectures where people would just sit and read the slides. And I thought, I could read the slides. You know, I could read it in a book. This is not what I'm here for. I'm here to get your insights and your stories and how this is pertinent to my life or how it is going to make something better that I deal with on a daily basis and how it's going to come into play. And so I think that's what a speaker does. You can, you know, we do the research, we find the information, but then we tell the story of how to use it in, in your daily life. And that's what makes it connect. Um, and I'm a storyteller. I think, I don't know if it's a Southern thing. I don't know if we just kind of raise <laughs> But I have always been a storyteller to my team and to my audiences because I think stories make the message stick. Right. They do. They do. Hands down. Uh, but I, I still want to, I want to circle back and really reiterate that point of taking care of your audience and what that looks like in presentations. So it means putting them in a situation where they feel like this was time well spent, having them walk out the minute you finish and say, man, that was, that was good. I am so glad I did not miss this. I cannot wait to tell somebody about this. And you put them in a position to have that kind of reaction when you show up and you give them what they need. You answer the questions that you know they have in their heads. You think to yourself, if I was on the other side of this podium, of the, on the other side of this microphone, what would I need to know? And what do I need these audience members to do after I'm done with this presentation? How am I going to put them in a better position? How am I going to make them feel like this I, I'm so glad I came and it's giving, not just giving information, but also giving them an opportunity to think about that information and what it means for them. So don't just, just slam it at them, but stopping like you were talking about and asking for input from the audience and turning away from the person who's going to monopolize the presentation and bringing in other voices, make it the experience that you would want to have if you were in the audience. Now, Debbie, I know people ask this all the time about bringing humor and jokes into their presentations. And people do that or they want to do it for a number of reasons. They think if they can get the audience to laugh, then that means the audience likes them. Or they think if they can get the audience to smile, that means things are going in the right direction. Because who doesn't want to talk to a smiling face as opposed, as opposed to a frowning face? How do you, or is it, let's, let's put it this way. Is it a good idea to tell jokes in your presentations for whatever reason? I think rather than telling like a formal joke, I think it makes more sense to tell a funny story and mm -hmm. to tell a story that connects with the audience because of what, you know, in veterinary medicine, clients do very funny things because they they don't always know all about medicine. And some of the funniest stories I have ever heard came from my audience when I just asked them, what's the most unique thing that anybody ever handed you over the counter at the front desk? So we, we start to tell those stories, but then I will then share a story that somebody told me with an audience. And it, maybe it is, it, it, but it doesn't have to be funny. It can be disgusting. Uh, and often is in veterinary medicine, it can be sad. You know, it's, I think that the, the key is evoke some kind of emotion. You know, take your audience 
on this journey with you about how things feel. Because if you just stand up there and recite a bunch of information, um, it's boring. And we've all been there. But if you can take them on this emotional story that engages them, and then they start to play a story in their head that is similar to or connects to a point that you're making, then that's much more likely to get them to um, to act on this information that you're sharing. Um, I have a friend who is a, a data geek, and he says, you know, I really would like to be a speaker, but I just, I'm a numbers guy. I just have all these numbers, and he's in the insurance business. So let's just say, what is news this, right? I would think. But then I said, okay, Eddie, what story do these numbers tell you? And he says, they tell me all kinds of things. And I said, well, they tell me stuff, too, because I'm a management consultant. So when I, I look at numbers, they tell me a story. So that's what I would share with my audience if I was speaking about data. I would tell the story of what, it, what I found out, what this investigation into these numbers showed me about the business and how it came out on the other side. So, yeah, it's jokes if you have them, but... But funny stories, definitely. But any kind of story that, that makes people feel something. I like that you took it that direction because oftentimes the answer is a yes or a no. Should you tell jokes? Either the answer is a yes or a no. Your answer is, yeah, but if, but put it in the form of a story. You can, don't tell jokes. Tell, don't tell a funny joke. Tell a funny story. And this is the thing. Even if you are not funny, the thing is, audiences will laugh at your jokes or laugh at your funny stories once they're feeling you. And you get mm -hmm. the audience to feel you by giving them value. So you can't get on the stage and then just instantly tell some joke and expect laughter. You cannot get on the stage and tell a funny story and expect laughter if you have not given them some sort of value. Some stories are funny enough to elicit yeah. laughter initially out the gate, but I encourage you to give the audience some kind of useful information and then they warm up to you and they're, they're like, okay, yeah, you're establishing your credibility. You're showing them that you're going to be worth their while and worth their time. And then you get to a point after you've done that, after you've established your credibility, not by reading off your resume and running off accomplishments or anything like that, but by showing them that you're going to take your expertise and give it over to them, then they start to feel you. They start to warm up to you. And when they start feeling you and warming up to you, you can tell the lamest joke. Tell the, I'm telling you the squarest story on the planet. They will laugh, but it's because you gave them something of utility. You, you let them know that you cared enough about them to make sure they were walking away with something they could put in place in their lives. Okay. Debbie, is it, is it a given that when you do a presentation, when you make a presentation, your audiences are going to walk away with aha moments? And the answer probably to that is yes. Is that a given? How do you make sure that happens all the time? How do you, how do you make sure you, let's just put it bluntly, that you end with a bang, that people are just, Debbie, 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 at the end of the <laughs> Okay, maybe that's not happening. But. <laughs> yeah, 
presentations are just always hitting the mark because I know they do. Well, it, it goes back to, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them and then tell it and then tell them again. You know, so it's the wind up. And, and so you, what you've kind of done is you've kind of unwrapped this gift and then you've taken the gift and you say, okay, now I'm going to package it up for you so you can take it home with you. And it's all about pulling all that information together. Um, so that it, it's, it's like taking them back a little bit briefly through the presentation so that they are going, oh, yeah, there's that, and yes, there's that, and yes, there's that, that I wanted to remember. And I always encourage my students to take notes because, and I tell them why. I study a lot of brain science, and I, I want them to know that it's not, if they don't take notes, they're not remember just because that's the way our brain works. So, if, you know, there's no sin in taking notes and thinking I can't remember. Plus, it's it's the reinforcement too that you you heard it and you wrote it and so it's a double reinforcement. But but that wrap up that it, it, the last thing is the emotion of it. The last thing is what this does for you as a person and how it's going to make your life better when you go back and and to kind of give them the picture of what could be when they take this and they use it rather than dropping it at the door when they walk out. And then they go kind of uplifted out um, when they walk out. I like to think in terms of past, present, and future, based on what you just said, in terms of the, having the audience think about what their lives could be. So with your presentation, starting your presentation, think about where was your audience before they walked into this room, the past? Where were they? What was their position relative to the topic, relative to the content you're going to present? And then now that they're in here with you, what are you going to give them that is going to move them from the position they were in in the past before they got into your presentation and then for the future now that you're done with your presentation what should they do once they leave now that they have this information where were they before they got here now that they're in here what do you give them and then once they leave what do you want them to do with what you gave them start your presentation by telling them by the time we're done you're going to know how to do this this and this and then in the present right there in the presentation, set them up, give them the tools, provide the information so that when they leave in the future, they are able to do this, this, and this. Back to tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, then tell them what you told them. At the end of the presentation, circle back to what you told them that they were going to get. When I started this presentation, I promised you that you would know A, B, and C. Here's a quick recap. We talked about A. And here's what you need to know and be, and here's what you need and see and so on and so forth. So now that you know this, this is what you need to do next. It's, and it's a nice little three part series. Think past, present, future. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them then. Tell them what you told them. Just think in threes and then move the audience so that they feel like, yeah, they can do it. Yeah. When I start my presentations, most of them are about communication. And I say I have two goals for this presentation. First of all is, that uh, there's no more drama in your practice. And the second one is that nobody yells at you ever again. And that's as a customer. So is that okay with you guys? And everybody's going, oh my God, that would be fantastic. Yes, it's okay. And so we've already gotten the buy-in. Yes, we want this to happen. And then here's how it happens. And then when you wrap it up and say, okay, now 
go out and, you know, eliminate drama. You have the power now to eliminate drama and to stop your customers from yelling at you in the future. You, you hit on pain points, right? That's what uh-huh. you constantly do. You give them, at the beginning of the presentation, you give them uh, uh, glimpses into the solutions you're going to bring them. You're letting them know, I've done the research. I know where you are. I know where you were before you walked into this room. You want to end the drama. You want the customers to stop yelling at you. I know that. So when you start your presentation, if you start off by telling people by the time we're done, you're going to know how to get rid of drama in your practice and how to make sure customers never yell at you again. There's nothing people can do but buy in because you, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, that's universally, you know that those are pain points, and it doesn't even matter what business you're in, that's a universal pain point for, for everybody. And so how do you stop that? Well, good communication stops it. And that's, that's the eight hours I teach of class is, is uh, how to keep, how to, and how to keep people entertained for eight straight hours is another challenge we can talk about. We, right, right. We'll have to schedule another another session for yeah. how to keep people entertained yeah. for eight hours. Well, we can, you know what, everybody, we can tell you exactly how, now how to do it. You you chunk the content and you make sure that you give the audience an opportunity to engage with the content. Don't turn on the fire hose. Give them a chunk of content. A chunk can be 10 minutes. It can be 15 minutes. It can be 30 minutes of you giving information. But then stop. Don't Don't go... 30 minutes actually is quite a bit of time to get content, long, yeah. even in, yeah. in an eight-hour day. I really don't recommend going more than about 15 minutes. Actually use this formula. Talk for no more than about half the average age of your audience. If the average age of the people sitting in front of you is 30, you want to talk for no more than about 15 minutes before you stop and have them do something with that information. So give about 15 minutes of content, but if they start to get the glazed donut look, then you, you, you know, if before you get to 15 minutes, you really want to stop and give them an opportunity to engage in that content. Bridget, what do you mean engage in that content? Create an open-ended question and tell them to do a turn and talk. Turn and talk to your colleague uh, discussing your answers to this question, this open-ended question that's based on the 15 minutes of content they just gave you, that I just gave you. Uh, Have them do a one-minute paper. Give them an open-ended question based on the content you just presented. Have them write their answer for one minute. Have them stand and talk. Have them move around. There's all kinds of uh, active learning techniques. Just do a search for active learning techniques, engagement techniques, classroom assessment techniques, classroom assessment techniques. I know this isn't a classroom, you may say to yourself, but it actually is a classroom, classroom and you are the it teacher. Is. So look for classroom assessment techniques because you're wanting to not only get them engaged and involved and move the class along in a way that's interesting and appealing to them, but you also want to assess that they're picking up what you're putting down. So yeah. look for the active learning strategies. Look for the classroom assessment techniques. You'll get a wealth of fantastic ideas that you can use to move the day along mm-hmm. where you're not getting exhausted with feeling like you have to fill the whole eight hours. Have them fill a percentage of the eight hours. And it's not you know, a matter of taking some of it off of your shoulders. It's actually a matter of being audience-centric and showing your audience that you care and showing them that you want, you really, really want them to learn the content. Yeah. Well, I, I speak a lot to veterinary teams, and these are people who move all day. They don't sit behind desks. They are constantly in a state of motion. So to think about them bringing them into a classroom and having them sit down for eight straight hours is just, 
I mean, it's mind-blowing for them, and, and they come in really with a sense of dread, like their boss will send them in to produce training classes, and they come in with a sense of dread. But then by the time we move through the material and they get to practice it a little bit, they get to, you know, greet each other, they, they tell some stories about, you know, their, their lives and their work. I tell a few stories myself, and we, we stop and we break within, you know, so many minutes. Of, and you're right, because I, I do a lot of neuroscience studying, and I think if we understand how our brain works, we understand a whole lot more about people than just, you know, the old kind of customer service technique. But about 10 minutes is the max of our attention span, and we need something to break it up in that period of time. Now, it, you, it can be anything from an action, like you said, something that they need to write down. It can be a story that you tell, but it needs to do something that breaks that kind of line of, here's the information, let's take a break, here's some more information, here's a break. Chuck and check, right? Chuck and check. Yep, mm -hmm. that's it. And definitely don't uh, have a presentation that goes more than about an hour to 90 minutes without giving them a bio break. Let's just keep things oh, yeah. practical here. You know, if you've got yeah. an eight-hour presentation, an eight-hour workshop, no more than about an hour, 90 minutes tops. And, 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 and even if, you know, forget about bio break, even if it's just to give them, give them a mental break. But let me just push away from this topic for a second, right? And especially after lunch, no more than 60 minutes. Uh, you need to go on <laughs> Give them a break. And, if lunch and ends whatever you do, don't feed them pasta or turkey for lunch because that puts a coma and puts them out. So I always tell the people who are coordinating these things, don't get pasta for lunch. And, I, it's, you know, it's just so easy for people to group feed that they typically will do that. But it really is for high carbs. It's really terrible for your well, audience to try to suffer. I had somebody come up to me one day and she said, Debbie, oh, it's not you. I promise it's not you. She said, I'm having a great time in class, but I am so sleepy from this lunch. I, I totally get it. So we do the, uh, I call it the after two o'clock lull where we get up and we move around and we, you know, just do something physical to yeah. get our blood flow again. Absolutely. And that's what I was going to do. I was going to amend and say, carbs, period, limit those. If you have any control over the menu for an event, definitely keep those carbs to a minimum. And I forget about turkey, but yes, even with turkey, that can give you that sluggish feeling, that, that post-lunch droop or whatever you want to call it. So yeah, even think about that. And you know what? I'll probably talk about this in another conversation with somebody else. Even what you eat as a speaker before the presentation starts can play a role. There are things you should not eat and things that are not, you know, bad to eat that, that are helpful. I mean, I'll, I'll just give you a few right now. You know, if you're doing a presentation in the morning time, breakfast, try to stay away from bacon. It's salty. And then it can cause you to, yeah, you, you know, the, the mouth and the saliva and so on and make you thirsty and whatever. And you're constantly drinking water. Stay away from bacon. Stay away from dairy products. It can cause an overproduction of saliva and so on. Uh, so anyway, that's a whole other conversation in terms yeah, of what you it is. Away it from. Is. And don't and don't eat too much because you can't breathe. You know, right. I think that people don't realize you know how much energy it takes to really breathe and project out to an audience. And usually, I, in in my smaller classes, I don't wear a mic 
Um, and I'm pretty good at projecting it out, but it does take a lot of energy from your diaphragm. And if you're so full, you can't breathe. Right. You just really got to have some air. Right, right. Oftentimes I won't eat and people will say, oh yeah, I don't like eating when I'm presenting either. No, I like to eat and what I want to eat is not going to help me give an optimal performance. (laughs) This has nothing to do with me trying to be particular (laughs) or whatever. No, I like to throw down when I eat. Okay. And I know what I really need to eat, probably a salad in order to give you a good performance this afternoon. So I'd rather Uh just have a bottle of water and wait until five o'clock and get something to eat. Which I know yes. that's not good for metabolism. Something green. Could I please have something green that would be good to eat before this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Debbie, this has been awesome. I remember when we started the podcast off air, I said, oh, yeah, 20, 25 minutes at the most. I think we've been going, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes. Uh, probably better. Yeah. <laughs> this is fantastic. Listen, Debbie. You have been fantastic. Thank you so much for your insight and your expertise and sharing it with the audience. Well, I've enjoyed listening to your tips, too. You know, we can always grow and learn, and uh, I'm constantly learning from you, and I thank you for putting together uh, this information because I'm sure I'm going to be following your podcast, and now I can learn how to be even better speaker. Ah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And everybody, make sure you follow Debbie. You can find her on all of the major social media platforms, Debbie Boone, that's uh, B-O-O-N-E. You can find her on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and then also check out her website, dboon, the number two, M-A-N-A-G-E-V-E-T-S dot com. Make sure you check her out, dboon2, managebets.com, and follow her on all of the platforms. Debbie is a rock star. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bridget. Have a great day. All right, you too. 